This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. There's a lot of things going on. This is where players go to sell products to be seen <laughs> and to be heard, as was the case with Justin Fields on Thursday. And this week, Dan, he was on the Rich Eisen show. He talked to Jarrett Payton from WGN. He had a lot of other interviews. And I think the overwhelming consensus seemed to be, and in both in talking to you and talking to others, command confidence that you expect, but also an acknowledgement, and I think this is the important part, an acknowledgement of just what he needs to do specifically to improve the accuracy of his passing game. Yeah, well, well, there's two parts of this, David, because I just think Justin's mere presence on Radio Row and the way he handled it, or Media Row, as you said, it has been, it has been changed to in the modern era, um, tells you what the national world sees him as right now, which is a potential rising star in this league. They want to talk to him. They want to learn more about his processes. They want to get to know the personality a little bit more. And Justin's ability to navigate that very fluidly, gracefully, uh, with comfort, with confidence, it's notable. It's obvious. It's, you know, we talked about it on the air on 670 The Score. It's, it's, it's a full acceptance of what the QB1 role is. It's an understanding that it is an opportunity to be something bigger than just a player on a football team. And Justin's want to be in those shoes. His want to be on that stage is notable. Now, the second part of that is what you talked about, the necessary improvements needed to his skill set, to his repertoire as a quarterback. And I'm really heartened by how um, much self-belief Justin has, but also how much self-awareness he has. His ability to articulate the things that he himself understands he needs to work on, the things that his coaches and bosses at Hells Hall have told him he needs to focus on. And the growth as a passer is something he's not shying away from. He's acknowledging that there's a lot that goes into making sure that the Bears never again finish with the 32nd ranked passing offense under his watch. And part of that is taking this next step. The words that he uses consistently are finding calm amid chaos. And that's part of becoming an accomplished pocket passer in this league. And Justin seems to at least know what's ahead of him on that front. I think what's also interesting is that here he was on a national stage, willingly on the national stage. But you know, we know how this worked. We've covered Super Bowls. We've been on Radio Row. You know that every outlet, every opportunity, somebody gets Justin Fields at this stage of the offseason – yeah, they're going to go back to what worked during the season. Yeah, they're going to talk about maybe the passing stuff that we're talking about now. But they want to play. I don't want to say they're, they're saying gotcha, but they want, to, they want to get an answer that may go viral. So they're going to ask him how he feels about the Bears potentially trading him. <laughs> and they have the number one overall pick. And what if the Bears traded you? Here's the thing that is good news 
about that. There was no news about that. Good news was there was no news. There were no big headlines. Right. It was not an overreaction because I think that even though he may not have been ever assured of this verbatim or directly, Justin Fields knows how ridiculous of a concept that really is for the Bears to trade him. I don't think he feels insecure about his place in the organization. And as much as anything, I think that's promising for Bears fans. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a consistent PFT headline hunt, right? That's the world we it's <laughs> the world we live on right now. You're you're hunting for that next little headline to pop its head out from behind a tree, and you get your bow ready, pow! You shoot it, and then you got yourself a headline. Justin, to your point, the secure feeling that he exudes, not only that he feels that he exudes about who he is and where he's going as a Bears quarterback, is encouraging. The Bears. I think have opened up channels of communication inside that building that are, are invaluable in a situation like this to explain like Ryan Poles can, can say to his quarterback loved a lot of what you did this year. There are some things I need to see you grow in. We really believe that you're going to be our guy uh, in 2023 and, and beyond at the same time with the number one pick, we have to at least go out and listen to conversations. We have to at least go out and use our eyes to do due diligence on these other quarterback processes. Don't take it personally. It's part of the job we're in. You focus on the job you're in. And Justin is is mature, and he has been since the day he got in the league at controlling the controllables, about focusing on himself, about not letting noise bother him. And so that is a huge, huge, huge strength of a quarterback that has a ton of strengths and now has some weaknesses that need to be improved for him. Again, I said this earlier in the week, this is about now in 2023. This is about whether Justin Fields can be your quarterback for five more years or whether Justin can become the engine of a championship machine, right? That, 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 that for the next decade puts itself in contention to be playing on the final weekend of the season, which is what this whole thing is all about. And part of that maturity that you referenced was obvious to anybody listening to his interview with Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show. And this is a part of what Justin Fields had to say. You ready for people to start questioning whether you're the, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears next I mean, year? I am. Uh, I think they've, you know, they've, they've already been, you know, saying that. So, uh, you know, um, how I look at it is just, you know, controlling the controllables. Um, you know, no matter, you know, what happens, you know, with me, um, you know, um, I can control what I can control, and that's how I approach the game. That's how I, you know, train for the game, and you know how I carry myself, you know, within the game. So it's just, you know, those three aspects to where, you know, uh, I kind of just have to, you know, look myself in the mirror and kind of say what can I can control and you know if it it is what it is and you know just 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 move on and you know be the best quarterback I can be and you know now this now's the time where I've been you know trying to grow um personally spiritually as a quarterback so I mean I've I've you know grown a lot these these past you know few weeks in the offseason well I want to front load the rest of this conversation with you knowing and I'm you know there is an I in my first and last name, mm-hmm. and I am a, an on-air individual, so yeah. uh, I have an ego, but I, <laughs> I, I don't suspect you will know what I've said about this subject matter mm-hmm. beforehand. I think the Bears would be absolutely insane yeah. to trade you yeah. and choose somebody who's not done it yet, even though it's somebody who I'm sure you know well in Stroud. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't... They'd be nuts to do that. Yeah. But... There's the, the whole due diligence thing that the Bears are going to have to do with the first overall pick or yeah. say that just in case somebody thinks yeah. that they might go in the direction of a rookie quarterback 
so they mm-hmm. could get the most out of trading that pick and keep you. Did, have they spoken to you about their draft strategy at all? Um, yeah, no, not really. Uh, you know, after the season, we had our exit meetings and you know talked a little bit about that. Talked about you know what you know they could have done as a what we could have done in the building uh, to improve, you know, mm-hmm. just the facility and stuff like that and, you know, what I need to work on in the offseason. So uh, it was a good exit meeting and, um, you know, just, just looking forward to, of course, getting together with my guys this offseason, getting better with them and, you know, looking forward to uh, training camp. That's pretty good, Dan. It's everything you just described. And when you compare it to, okay, let's look at Super Bowl week in Arizona. Aaron Rodgers is going into a dark corner for four days in a cave in the dark for uh, to figure out, to find himself. Kirk Cousins is singing the Kelly Clarkson at NFL <laughs> Honors. Justin Fields won the week with the way that he conducted himself on Radio Row with Rich Eisen, with Jarrett Payton, with everybody. There's no question. And like, like there's, there's multiple parts to this. And one of the parts is that it ha- had Justin Fields been a little better, had the Chicago Bears been a little bit better, had they won six games and not been picking at the top of the draft board, none of this discussion would be being had. But it's because you have the number one pick and you very rarely are in a position to have the full control of the draft board that you have to at least open your eyes to possibility. And that's what Ryan Poles and his staff have to do within Hallis Hall. But we've talked about previously on this podcast that the desire to see this through should be as heavy as it's ever been because Justin showed you so much in 2022 that he's got the leadership ability, that he's got the drive, that he's got the playmaking flash, that he's got the ability to flip a game with one off script play that tells you, all right, let's try to see what the full potential of this is. And as we've talked about, if you get to the end of 2023 and Justin is healthy, you've got 40 career starts now under his belt that give you a much clearer picture of who he is as a quarterback than you have now after 25. And so it's up to the bears now to see what that is and then adjust next year, in my opinion. But again, because you have the number one pick, you have to, you have to stop yourself in Ryan pulls his shoes and say, well, wait a second. You know, what if we go out and we win six or seven games next year? And Justin turns out to be a guy who's deficient as a passer and is never going to get over that hump. Well, now we're not optimally positioned to make a run at our next guy. And so that's why you have to consider things now in this moment, but ultimately I think we all know where this is headed. In the corner of his laptop or the corner of his computer screen on his desk, whatever the case may be, Ryan Poles should put a post-it that says, see it through. And he should see it every single day to remind himself to see it through. Don't be tempted to unload prematurely with Justin Fields. Don't be tempted to do this. See it through. Go where this takes you because you saw last year enough to believe that there are you've got enough other problems don't create one for yourself by changing quarterbacks at this stage and i don't think he's going to do that the evaluation of justin fields is a, a fun thing to to uh, observe from you know people who have done this for a long time um, whether it's rich eisen talking about what he said or michael lombardi who the former executive uh, who now works for vison and was a friend of the the mullen haw show a regular uh, last year. So I got a chance to talk to him this week, Dan, and I asked him, obviously, what was his overall impression of Justin Fields? Well, I, I think Justin Fields is a six-pack quarterback. I, I, I'm not sure he's a, he's a pro passer yet, uh, but I think if you're going to be in a situation that, that Poles is in, you're going to have to go down that six-pack road, and you're going to have to build an offense like the Eagles where the quarterback's going to have to be involved in the run game. The problem you get in is J- Justin Fields gets hurt too often. 
and you're going to have to run him because he's yet to prove that he can be a drop-back passer in the NFL. You know, and so I think that's the issue. I'm not suggesting you draft a quarterback first overall in the draft, but I'm suggesting that you build the team around having someone uh, building it around the six-back offense, which is what he does. He's a running back first, then he's a quarterback. I don't think anybody could argue with that. He's not a drop-back passer. His accuracy tends to wane, and he struggles to make the most pedestrian-type passes at times. But he's a uniquely talented athlete who can make plays and run with the ball as well as anybody. And this game today in the NFL has allowed that to transpire. So if I were polls, I would just try to continue to build the offense around a six-back attack, make no bones about it. We're not going to be a West Coast offense or a, you know, a Ernie Zampisi offense. We're going to be a six-back offense and build the team that way. That's interesting. I don't know how you feel about that. I'll let you go first on this one because I have uh, I have some thoughts that that may not uh, necessarily jibe with Michael Lombardi. First of all, I've been around a football a long time as you have, Dan. I don't know that I've heard it commonly referred to any offense as a six pack offense. Right. What is that implying? This more blue collar, more um, direct. It's I, yeah, that that to me, I, I, or or one step below elite level i'm not quite sure what the implication is i I do think this it's interesting to me that the description of him as a running back who is also a good quarterback i i get that because when you're talking about justin fields what makes him special right now is his ability to run and and i think that sometimes we overstate what the importance or or how this is when we talk about sustaining that you know, Dave Wanstead will come on our podcast. He's come on our, our radio show talking about, well, you know what? Think in four years. Forget about eight to ten. That is so unrealistic. Think about a four-year window. All you yes. care about in that four-year window, get to the Super Bowl. Get as far as you can. That's the, the, the sustainability of Justin Fields. And in that context, I don't think it's as big of an issue as some people are making it out to be. The second point to this before we get to your impression Jalen Hurts, maybe the same questions are being asked about this in in Philadelphia. He carried the ball six more times this year than Justin Fields did. Justin Fields just had more yards because he had more big plays. So if you're asking the question about Justin Fields, fine. Just be consistent and have the same kind of questions you ask about Jalen Hurts, who has his team on the verge of a Super Bowl title. Well, the difference here, David, is that there is a – balance issue with the bears that doesn't exist in philadelphia the bears had the 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 number one ranked rushing offense in the nfl and the 32nd ranked passing offense and so that that imbalance as i should say uh is part of the problem here that the bears need to address and that they understand internally is not sustainable luke Getzi told me that himself in early january that that is not something that they can afford to have happen going forward justin fields has told you repeatedly he doesn't want to be seen as a runner first that's not how he views himself he wants to become an accomplished nfl passer my belief is that justin has the ability to become an accomplished nfl passer i believe he has the arm talent to become an accomplished NFL passer. I believe he has the aptitude to become an accomplished NFL passer. It's all about, you know, sort of, 
polishing things up, speeding up the process, understanding what you're seeing quicker. In Justin's words, as we talked about earlier, calm amid the chaos, knowing how to make quick, sound decisions on a series-by-series basis that creates success. That's something just uh, Jalen Hurts has done very successfully for uh, an Eagles team that is much more fortified around him than anything that the Bears have put around Justin Fields in his first two seasons. But I think that there's a, a conflict in how Michael Lombardi views Justin Fields and how Justin Fields views himself, and more importantly, how the Chicago Bears view Justin Fields. And that's why 2023, to me, is going to be so fascinating because they're going to put him in a position to say, all right, let's see who you are as a passer. Let's see the growth you make as a passer. Let's see what the results are because there are results in here right now that are a bit troubling. And I'm working on a bigger fields piece that'll probably launch in early March. And one of the things that you look at in this is something that Michael Lombardi brought up in there. I had a source say to me, look at at some of these numbers and listed a a handful of numbers that are worthy of concern. Well, one of those, David, is the, the, the fact that he has missed seven games due to injury or illness and he's won five, right? You can't have games missed due to injury be more than victories. And so Justin's got to figure out a way to uh, shift those numbers. And the best way to do that is to make sure that you are taking some wear and tear off your body by not running as much, not taking as many hits, and becoming more of a reliable weapon as a passer. And part of that process involves getting better players around you, and that's on Ryan Poles. And so when you see what the Eagles have done or the infrastructure with which or into which Jalen Hurts, you know, arrived and, and went into, it, you need to try to do as much as possible similar to that in Chicago, which is why, and I think a lot of these things are assumptions that we can't make yet because the Bears need receivers. They need an offensive line. They need more weaponry. But still, in that context, I asked Michael Lombardi how realistic it was to expect or to think that Jalen Hurts, that that progression that he made in Philadelphia is the same kind of progression and improvement Justin Fields can make in Chicago. Yeah, I think it is realistic. He's got to improve his accuracy just like Hurts had to improve. I mean, Hurts is still not a great drop-back passer. I mean, let's make no bones about it. Hurts is not a great – doesn't show great anticipatory – ability to make throws in a drop-back pass game, but yet he's a unique athlete who works hard. He has great leadership skills. He's the first one in the building. He's the last one to leave, and they've built a team around him. They've built a team around a run game that highlights him in the run game, and they've given him receivers that can make plays after the catch and block, and that's important. All their receivers on Philadelphia will block to allow their run game to have success, so I think that's the model that Philadelphia that Philadelphia has given the Bears. That's the one they have to follow through with. But remember, when Hurts went to Philly, that offensive line was pretty good. They had Lane Johnson. They had they had the left tackle. You know, they had the left guard. They had players already in place in the offensive front. So they started at a further point than where the Bears are. So, David, I asked Herb Howard last week, and I want you to answer this question in a second. If you had to shore up one position group before – September began and you could only fix one completely, but you went to to week one and the starting gate of the 2023 season with one position group on the Bears roster, completely settled and completely stable, what would it be? And then I'll give you a follow-up after you give me sort of your thoughts on that. Either side of the ball? Yeah, any any position group on the defensive roster. Defensive line. Okay. Your defensive line. Number one priority for the Bears. 
I believe that was Herb's answer as well. I don't dispute that answer. I went with offensive line because I think that you need to create a level of enhanced comfort for Justin Fields to figure out who he is in 2023. But the reason I bring that up is because you can go through here. One of the things that Michael Lombardi said there is that the Eagles built a team around Jalen. That's Ryan Poles' job now for Justin. Build a team around him. And you go through it and you say, defensive line, it's bad right now. Offensive line, it's bad right now. Wide receiving core right now, it's bad right now. And so the idea that the Bears are suddenly going to have this Philadelphia Eagles infrastructure around Justin Fields is unrealistic. It's not going to happen. He's not going to be able to make the same jumps in the same way that Jalen Hurts did because he's not going to have this rock steady offensive line and a complimentary defense that, that doesn't put any pressure on him to score 30 and a receiving core that has two guys that are, are legitimate top tier weapons in an NFL passing game. And so that, like Justin's going to have to find ways to manufacture his own success a lot more than Jalen Hurts has had to because the Bears can't fix everything at once. Where's your confidence level that he's able to be a better magician, if you will, than maybe Jalen Hurts is in Philly? Well, he is a better magician, and we saw that as a runner. Well, now you think so. Right now, you think he's a better overall magician, improviser, magician, yes. whatever you whatever yes. you want to say than, than Jalen Hurts. Yes, I do. I do. And so now the next step is is again, and Justin owns this, and I love that he owns this. He understands that he has to do simple better. It's not about doing the more difficult better because he's shown that he's really good in that department. It's about doing simple better. It's when you have a a shotgun snap catch and throw that you don't fire that two feet outside your intended target and forfeit seven yards on a play. The reason Justin has only had six games in his career where he's surpassed 200 passing yards is because he's not – consistent or proficient in in getting the eight yard gain or the the three yard check down that turns into 25 or the you know the 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 play that is the smarter play when you're holding on waiting for a bigger play and you've heard it from inside the building david that they want they think that he's terrific at making throws outside the numbers they want to see a lot more success inside the numbers the short and intermediate game and figure out where they can go from there so in that context, let's pivot a little bit here because the focus then shifts on the players around Justin Fields bringing out the best in him. That's Ryan Poles' responsibility to make that happen. So because Mike Lombardi has the experience that he has, I asked him what would be his best advice to Ryan Poles this offseason? Well, the game of football is always going to be about offensive and defensive linemen. And when you have an opportunity to build offensive and defensive line, do it. Don't fall in love with receivers. Don't fall in love with skill. Fall in love with offensive and defensive linemen. And understand that going back to the George Hallis days in the office that he sits in, the game comes down to simply who has the best offensive and defensive lines. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I always have said this consistently. You build from the ball on out and then – If you're fortunate enough to find a special athlete or special player at quarterback, you benefit from that infrastructure being in place already. That's what we're talking about here. It's why the San Francisco 49ers were playing on conference championship Sunday, despite having to go from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy, because they were so sturdy and so steady. 
inside yep. there that they were able to overcome a lot of things. And, and that's why we asked the question just a minute ago on which one of those do you address first? There's not a wrong answer. And that's what I told Herb last week is it, there's not a wrong answer. It's just pick your pick your flavor, you know. And, and so now it's up to, to Ryan Poles to do these things. And it's why covering this football team and this quarterback and everything that goes along with this organization in 2023 is going to be fascinating because we're going to learn a lot about a lot of people in a short amount of time. And, you know, so much conversation on Radio Row and with you have access to so many executives and people who have done it before on the number one overall pick. And what the Bears have, not only with all the cap room they have, but the the responsibility, the onus, the opportunity to draft first overall. I saw Thomas Dimitrov tell NBC Sports Chicago and Josh Schrock, well, you know what? What he would recommend is maybe trading that to the Carolina Panthers who need a, a number one or need a quarterback and and see if they can give you banks in return as a pass rusher to get an established premium player at a premium position. But you hear other guys say, well, you want to multiply that into draft picks because you look at the Eagles, and as we said on the Mullion Hall Show on Friday morning, 10 of their 11 offensive starters were drafted and developed. That's how you get good. That's how you stay good. So in that context, Dan, because of – the changing value of the number one overall pick from year to year, from season to season, depending on supply and demand, how much is that worth this year? 2023, number one overall draft pick. What is that worth to Michael Lombardi in his mind? And here's what he had to say. You know, I think that's a great question. I'm not sure that that there's a quarterback that everybody covets. I know there's a quarterback that the mock draft people covet, and they think Bryce Young is going to be the first overall pick, and he's got tremendous value. But Bryce Young's 185 pounds and he's under six feet tall. I don't know if that's going to be the, the sensation that's created. I think that's a little bit. I think that's a little bit harder. I think teams could easily say, "Look, I'll just take C.J. Stroud as opposed to Bryce Young and not give up any assets." I think that's going to be the tough one to navigate for uh, for Ryan Poles is because is there a guy that's in high demand and how far lower do I go and still create a get a blue chip player at a blue chip position? That's the question you got to answer yourself. Where do I go to where I just get average players and I get and I don't get the great star that I need to help my team? And I, I just don't think there's going to be, to me, based on the quarterbacks that I've watched in this year's draft, I don't think there's going to be this sense of, oh my God, I got to trade up to get that guy. Because I think if you talk to people around the league, everybody's quarterback board's way different. And the media has Bryce Young as the number one guy, but I'm not sure pro teams do. Look, like that's going to be how this plays out. There's two parts to this, right? Like, I, like if the Houston Texans believe that they can re- live with either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, they now lo- no longer have any motivation to trade anywhere. And they stay at number two. And Lovey says, see, I told you so. There was not anything majorly detrimental <laughs> to, to that loss in Week 18. But I think the flip side of this that you and I have talked about is somebody's going to get desperate somebody's going to feel their clock ticking chris ballard may say man if i don't if i don't pull off something this offseason i'm doomed and somebody is going to come to you with a phone call that says i need that pick 
I need to have the guy that I want. And you're going to be able to turn it into something. Now, what we have talked about is that if you're Ryan Poles, you have to make sure that you look at your draft board, which is established and it's going to be flexible over the next couple months. And you establish a floor on, on where your, your top tier cloud ends, you know, of players. And you have to make sure that the headliner of your 2023 draft class is a guy where you reach for the Sharpie on your desk and you write that guy onto your 2029 roster because he's that good and he's that much of a difference maker. And so that's what you can't get lost in this accumulation of believing that picks are what win championships, blue chip players win championships. And so you better come out of this draft with a guy that's part of your 2029 team. Which is what I found is fascinating about what he said. The last part of what he said is interesting to me and stood out. And it doesn't relate so much to the Bears as much as what the value of that pick might be and who might be chosen with that first pick in the draft. Not all pro teams are sold on Bryce Young as maybe some people in the media or maybe the perception of who Bryce Young is and will be as an NFL quarterback, which that tells me Michael Lombardi, you know, he'll, he'll say a lot of compelling things. He is somebody who can be somewhat controversial, but he talks to so many people and he's plugged in as well as he is, that's not just something he's inventing out of midair. Somebody somewhere already has begun this idea that maybe Bryce Young isn't all that. And I just wonder how much traction that kind of opinion or evaluation may have as we move forward or really begin in earnest this pre-draft process because the assumption all along, let's face it, down in Houston, they're talking about pairing the Bama connection with, uh, you know, you, you have you have uh, D'Amico Ryan's a Bama linebacker going to pick the Bama quarterback and Nick Saban's going to be happy and everything's going <laughs> to go great. But I think that there's this assumption that Bryce Young is the guy. And what Michael Lombardi said at the end there was, eh, maybe not so fast, my friend. Well, maybe it's. Frank Reich down at number seven, who's saying, I, I love Bryce Young, but we're going to tell the rest of the world that you shouldn't love Bryce Young. He's too slight. He's too frail. Yeah. Uh, we want him right. to, to, to fall right. out of the top five, or at least out of the top three. And then maybe we can get up to number five and, and snag him. Um, you know, who knows what it is? It's going to be really um, interesting and fascinating to watch uh, rumor dictate this process as it always does and, and, and make things a little fluid through the months of February, March and April. But ultimately from the bears perspective, you just have to make sure that you understand the goal and the goal is the goal. And the number one goal is to build a team around Justin and to make sure that you do so in a way that gives him the best possible supporting cast going into a year of development. That is absolutely pivotal and is going to tell us a lot about the direction of not only the quarterback, but by extension, the franchise. We love the conversation. We invite the speculation. That is why we're here at Take the North podcast.